Could the tapping, beating and bashing of drums be your path towards better mental health? Drumming has been shown to improve self-esteem, interpersonal trust and reduce anxiety and depression. Studies have also demonstrated that drumming, drumming improves motor skills and the social health of kids with behavioural and emotional challenges. Chris O'Connor drums with everyone from the Phoenix Foundation and Don McGlashan to the Finn Brothers, but he's also a music therapist, passionate about the role of rhythm. I spoke to Chris earlier about whether he's found drumming to be a positive influence on his mental health and well-being. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I started practicing drumming, you know, when I was a kid, and so I was given exercises to do. And initially, they're the sort of foundational sticking exercises, so working on the sort of the physicality of it and the coordination of it, so combinations of lefts and rights and with the different limbs and um, they're kind of I've always conceived those to be a bit like sort of kinetic riddles in a way where it is a, a, a sonic aspect of course which is the sound you're making but it's mediated through touching and the drum uh, touching the drum and the physicality of playing as well and often the challenge of new rhythms and things is often that the physical part of it coordinating the the, the, the motion behind it um, but that for me was also a real strong um, source of pleasure um, for myself in the in the doing of it, um, sort of meeting those challenges, you know. And I've since gone on to learn about sort of neuroplasticity and understand that uh, the different kinetic challenges are related to sort of uh, neurological pathways and the forging of those of new pathways to sort of execute these different sort of physical and sonic sort of riddles, you know, which these new rhythms kind of are, um, is a wonderful process, you know, um, it's really rewarding to uh, solve them. When you say neuroplasticity, does that mean that you're actually changing your brain by doing these rhythms, these new rhythms and these new sequences? Yes, we, when you get a new a new challenge, a new rhythm, um, you're presented with a, often with a coordination challenge because it's just a physical assist to a series of movements that you've never done before, you know, in quite that way. So there's no um, pathway for, for you to be able to execute that. So you've got to f- actually fashion it yourself by practicing it. I mean, I, I often just like to talk about it in terms of being familiar with a series of movements. And the more familiar you get, you're making those new sort of neural pathways, you know, in your, in your brain and in your whole nervous system right throughout the body. And the listening. I mean, for me, I think the listening has been a crucial doorway into tapping the well-being aspects of, of drumming and playing. Where um, What I noticed when I was um, very young and wanting to listen to music was that I would keep being distracted um, from the music. I'd suddenly find myself in the middle of thinking about some random thought, mm. a, a conversation I'd had or a conversation I was about to have maybe, and mm. um, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I haven't been listening actually to the music for right. the last 10 seconds. And then I'd bring my attention back to the music mm. And then again, find myself not listening and distracted by a thought. So I soon sort of started practicing trying to keep my attention on the music and just attend to my listening. And what that did was begin to reveal uh, new depths and new experiences and sort of music starts to open up when you can just attend to the sounds that you're hearing without any interruptions. You started playing when you were a teenager 
And you said that, you know, you've told me you had a drum kit in the garage and that was sort of a, a place of solace in some ways. Yeah, totally. For your teens, do you think that was a very crucial time to start drumming? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a, a solace, like I could I could go to the drum kit and um, sort of shed my concerns, you know. And this is the other thing with listening, you know, as I was able to increasingly attend to the music I was hearing um, everything everything else would drop away you know if I was, so I'd I'd be upset say I'd be heartbroken you know I had my share of unrequited love and teenage <laughs> angst and I could go to my drums and forget about all that you know before long I'd be absorbed in the sound and all that would sort of drop away you know there's a beautiful Ursula Le Guin um, quote about escapism. She says, uh, the direction of escape is toward freedom. So what is escapism an accusation of? And I so love that. I so love that as an, uh, as an answer to that, that idea that, you know, the arts are sort of um, a thing we use to escape reality. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in my case, I, I discovered that what I was being freed of was my the stresses, and yeah, the, well, well, yeah, um, um, aspects of myself that were not always um, very helpful. Mm, you know, negative mm. talk. Yeah, all my sort of, you know, um, after a while with listening, um, all that stuff drops away, and it's just you. Well, it's just the sound. Actually, you mm. even disappear. And there's no coincidence that that is talked about a lot in spiritual literatures from a, a lot of different cultures. Mm. Well, in some of the studies that have been done, there was one in a prison with something like 140-something prisoners, and a lot of the, the outcomes were more self-esteem. There was self-assurance. There was confidence. Yeah. A part of that, for me, has been around um, developing a sense of unconditional positive regard just for sounds. I was just enjoying the sounds for their own sakes, sort of uh, separate from my involvement with them mm. you know so I wouldn't be I'd be less likely to be subjected to attacks of self-consciousness or feeling like right. oh no I yeah. can't play or, or I'm not sounds, getting this right or, or yeah, yeah. Or, or, or it sounds horrible it's like yeah. no 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 just play that cymbal and that, that cymbal sounds beautiful and this is the wonderful thing about drumming unlike say playing the violin or the trumpet um, there's a there's a an immediacy to the sound if it, I mean objects just sound Sound cool, I reckon. I reckon objects sound cool. <laughs> I think cool. you're a bit biased, Chris. Well, I totally am because I have I have unconditional positive regard for for sounds. I was well. I was going to say, do you think there is something with drumming in particular compared with the violin or the piano? Is there something about drumming? Is it the physicality of it leads to all these mental health benefits? Yeah. Well, I think there's access to a pleasant sound is quite immediate. You know, unlike say the violin. Although, I mean, to my ear, gosh, I actually love the sound of um, anyone playing the violin <laughs> in lots of ways, but but yeah, the point is that when you hit a drum, you get the beautiful sound of that drum, mm. um, whatever level that you're at, and so that's a um, helpful starting point. There's there's less barriers to enjoying the, the sound you're making, whereas with an instrument that requires a bit more technique to mm. to open it up, you know, the, yeah, the, there's sort of barriers there. Mm. But your drums are immediate in that way. It's funny because it makes me think of that sort of trope where parents go, oh, I'm not getting you a drum kit. You know, I don't want that banging or that thrashing in my house. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's real. Is there a difference if you are learning it at a younger age? Well, yeah, I think uh, this comes back to sort of that brain plasticity idea, you know. Uh, when we're younger, there's, there's, there's more plasticity 
going on. Although I don't know if that's there could be more recent studies that maybe show that brain plasticity is a as a, a constant yeah. thing. That's sort of what we tend to think, isn't it? Especially with say, the same with learning languages, mm. you're better off learning those early on because yes. your your brain is like a sponge. That's right. Mm. Yeah. So there's that there's that impression you're impressionable. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, so maybe it can be easier to learn to to, to get through those you know, those physical challenges and the mm. coordination things when you're a bit younger. Mm. And it's a good time to implant good sort of technique too you know like I started learning drums when I was maybe eight, eight or nine years mm, old mm. and I had some great teachers who, who sort of showed me how to hold the sticks and but actually it's not necessary for what we're talking about you know um, yeah. finding a way to use a drum for your own well-being is, um, mm. doesn't require any te- technical mm. facility really mm. uh, all that stuff will develop as you play and what about the differences between solo drumming and group drumming the solo drumming um, is really tied in with um, practice and the idea of having a, a drum practice. And I think practice is an important part of the health, of the well-being part of drumming, where if you can actually develop a practice, then it, that becomes a, a regular investigation um, that you are conducting um, around, I think, well, for me, I'm conducting this investigation and it's around my own response to the sounds that I'm making and that's a, a sort of internal process that you can explore on your own um, and then the outer thing is when you are playing with a, a group and now you're not only have you, are you holding that internal thing of uh, monitoring your responses to the sounds you're making and your own hearing of your own um, yeah, hearing with your own body you know and being in touch with the physicality of it and hearing the sound you're making and then hearing the sounds of other people. Um, and you can't, it's interesting, you know, you can't experience, say if we were playing together, I couldn't experience your sort of tactile experience of mm. your, your playing, but I can entrain with you, which is usually done in a groove, and then I can, um, and I can hear, hear the the sort of um, sonic um, signature of your tactile experience and I can train with, and train with that and, and get a taste of that, you know, we can move to the music and when I'm moving and entrained with you, we're sort of sharing a physical experience there as well yeah. um, and that's one of the joys of, of playing in, in groups, you know, sharing that, that common yeah. experience. In terms of what you learn as well about playing in a group, can you talk a bit more about that? Because you've taught in schools. Mm. And so what are some of those things that you see? I I think it's the listening thing again, you know, listening to other people and monitoring your contribution. I mean, that's a beautiful lesson from music that can be applied to lots of aspects, um, you know, in the life. Yeah, knowing when to pause to allow that other person to sort of come forth and knowing when to get in and support. With drumming too, drumming tends to be an accompaniment um, in, you know, in music. Um, so there's, uh, for me, a big part of drumming has been doing everything I can to make the people around me sound as good as possible. And that's a, a, a wonderful strategy to have as a drummer because um, people are going to want to play with you because <laughs> um, they sound good when they play yeah. with you. Um, and the, it's nice to play with someone who is trying to make you sound you know, really good. Um, and that's also a beautiful lesson in music that can be applied to sort of other areas. There's something about music that responds to that responds well and gives you a sort of a 
like the big thumbs up, yes, keep doing that, you know, and <laughs> yeah. the music sort of responds. You know, when people are in a groove and entrained in that way, there's something in the music that quickens and everyone experiences that and it feels good. But what that is, I think, is really deeply personal. Yeah. You know, the, the sort of musical riches that reveal themselves when you're listening and able to sustain that are really individual, you know, from mm. person to person, I think. Mm, mm. Um, and that's a, a beautiful part of the journey that well-being journey with drumming I think is discovering what those riches are for you and um, no one can take that away they're your beautiful little treasures that you discover (laughs) in music there's been research from 2018 which showed drumming improves the motor skills and social health of kids with behavioral and emotional changes this was a study done in the UK Essex University Uh, and then this year there's been another survey done which divided 36 teenagers with varieties of autism into two groups. One group had drumming lessons and the other one didn't. And what it showed was the ones who got to play the drums showed a marked decrease in hyperactivity and inattention. So this was organised by Clem Burke, who was the drummer for Blondie. Mm. And he's now going one step further and saying drumming should be part of the school curriculum and it could be a game changer for children particularly with autism do you see that as something that could happen here in New Zealand well there are a few cultural barriers in the way of that happening yeah there's this idea that music and sort of creative things aren't real or aren't serious or um, aren't important you know fun to have yeah, they're fun to have, you know, and, you know, maybe they're fun things to indulge in when you're a kid, but, you know, when you're an adult, it's best to pick that stuff away and yeah, do something yeah, real. And yeah. I think that's really prevalent still here, and um, that would have to shift quite a bit, I think, for that beautiful... That mindset. That, yeah. that beautiful thing to happen. I mean, Clem Burke's dead right. Uh, and I, I've seen it in my own life, the benefits of it, and other people, you know, like it's obvious... But um, there's a there's a wider sort of sort of context of sort of a devaluing of creative pursuits. It's annoying. <laughs> did you come from a musical family? Ah, uh, yeah, I did. I did in the sense that members of my family played music. Yeah, my father was a drummer, and a mu- and he was a musician as a teenager. And my grandfather on my mother's side was also a, um, he played lots of music. Mm. Uh, you know, when I sort of made my intentions clear that, I, that this was something I was going to keep doing, there was a little bit of like, you know, I, I remember quitting sport as a teenager to sort of focus more on music, and it was like, whoa, what? You've got to play a sport, you know? Bit of an eyebrow raise. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Um, but no, generally, generally, I've had really great support from my family around around music. Yeah. Mm, mm. You're a very experienced touring musician and recording artist. Now you're working in music therapy. So mm-hmm. what made you, what prompted that change? Um, music therapy had been on my radar for quite some time. Um, I first learnt about it uh, in a great experience teaching music in, the, in, in England for a friend and um, going to different schools and um, community sort of centres and teaching pe- some people with disabilities and, you know, c- school kids and um, music therapy is pretty big in the UK Mm. so I first learnt about it then probably in the early 2000s and um, but yeah soon realised that you had to sort of go back to university and do the study to be able to register as a music therapist and so wasn't ready for that for some time 
but eventually, uh, actually, just the precarity of being a uh, freelance musician, um, I just sort of started to clock that it wasn't doing my mental health um, that that much good anymore. Um, was that the instability of it, or was it the yeah. just the kind of never? Never quite knowing if you could make the next rent. Was it that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, elements of that, mm. elements of that for sure. Um, and also, I'd been, uh, yeah, well, for, for many years, I'd thrive on that. You know, it was re- really quite an adventure to not know where the next rent was coming from and get the call for the gig and, yeah, there's my <laughs> yeah, rent, you the know. High, the highs and the lows, yeah. Yeah, totally. But also, I just noticed I wasn't enjoying that anymore. So it was a combination of that and also of like, well, is this it? You know, like, uh, I've been doing it for... 30 years and um, I sort of suddenly looked at the next 30 years of my life and kind of went, ah, I think I've actually done this heaps and maybe I could do something different. Yeah. So I was really glad I decided to do the study because it's also been a beautiful focusing of uh, what I find important in music, which is connection, you know, and listening. And you did the study during sort of COVID, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. quite good timing. It was great timing because I think, you know, the whole music industry sort of closed down and I think if I hadn't had this, if I hadn't made this little pivot and had this study to hold on to, I would have been really freaking out. Yeah. yeah. It was already quite unnerving as it was. Yeah. So it felt good. Yeah, and now I'm working as a music therapist and uh, loving it and still I've found it important still to hold on to my other musical activities, you know. Um, so it's just about getting that balance that balance right but that's what it's always been you know it's always about juggling bits of teaching and performing and recording and composing and if you do too much of any one of those things for me anyway you know it's um gets a bit boring so I love the variety how would you describe what music therapy is for those who may not be familiar with it ah yes that's the that's the question um it's tricky because it's so different depending on um the person but and, and depended on the music therapist too, because everyone um, brings their own unique sort of combination of um, situatedness, I guess, you know, to the to the picture. Um, but for me, it's around um, advocating for a person's musicality um, in the service of meeting a need, um, and so that need might be to experience some agency mm. um, and make a decision about whether they're going to play or not or not play. Mm. And I relish celebrating any decision a, a person m- a might make in that space. So if a person decides they don't want to play, then I'll that's celebrate. Okay yeah, we'll celebrate that too because yeah. that's a strong decision, you know. And that's one of the things I love about music therapy as opposed to teaching music. Teaching music, is, there's a, there are all these other things involved. And there can be a sort of a, sort of a deficit mindset around teaching where it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. No, you're not, you haven't got that. You're doing it wrong. You yeah, know, we've got yeah. to... There's, there's, can, a, there's a very clear goal a lot of the time. Yeah, it's usually around you got to do it better, mm. you know, and you're, and you're not and you're not good enough. Um, which you know, there's a place for that, you know. Uh, but I really have loved letting go of that totally in a mm. music therapy setting, and it's not about that at all. It's about having an, having an interaction in the music, mm. and it's strength based. That's the other important thing. So whatever a participant brings with them. Um, we're going to celebrate that and build build on those strengths. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Are you working with mainly children or is it adults as well? And and 
is it just the drums or is it, you know, different instruments? It's different instruments. And um, I work with a real mix of different people, different age groups and diff- with different challenges and different um, goals for the sessions. And I'm really about advocating for their musicality first and foremost. And then we'll explore together how we can best bring that out. Mm. And for some people it's oh, it's different for every person, you know. Mm. So, yeah, there's a diff- whole lot of different instruments. Um, um, I, yeah, I use a lot of guitar and harp and drums and piano, lots of percussion, singing. Anything. Yeah. You've sent me a song, The Smoke That Thunders, and you said it's quite important to you. There's, there's, it has meaning for you. What is that? It's a drum solo by the great jazz drummer Max Roach. So I was talking to before about how drums are often an, accompany, an accompaniment sort of instrument. But Max Roach has also developed a solo vocabulary for the, for the drum kit where um, he can... So this, this concert was in a... Uh, these performances were in a concert hall um, and he's performing to hundreds of people who've paid, you know, paid tickets to come and see him play the drum kit. And that for me is like, wow, that's an amazing achievement to build a solo musical vocabulary on the drum kit. So I'd always been inspired by him in that regard and what, and have always worked to doing that myself. Yeah. And for a long time, it, as a part of my practice schedule, and still, you know, sometimes it's nice to sit behind the drum kit and close your eyes and go, wow, I'm... I'm in a, I'm, a, I'm at the town hall and people have paid like five hundred dollars a ticket to come and see this <laughs> drum solo. So better make it musical, you know. Yeah, you studied jazz, didn't you, at mm. um, the Wellington Conservatorium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that why he's particularly inspiring? Because he's a jazz drummer? Oh, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I learned about him when I was studying jazz and jazz drumming. Yeah, I was drawn to I was drawn to jazz drumming through wanting to just get deeper into the drum set, you know. And I soon figured out that it's a jazz instrument. You know, it was. It evolved with that music, so I wanted to sort of get to the bottom of the, you know, the great masters of the drum set, and the first ones were jazz drummers. Um, yeah, amazing heritage and legacy, for sure.